We hope you enjoy this message from St. Martin C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch. I love that we in New Zealand live in a very tolerant society. Um, as I compare New Zealand politics uh, to some of the politics that I see overseas, I see that Jacinda and Judith uh, mostly respect each other, although Judith, Judith can have a bit of an edge to it, can't she? But uh, in most respects, uh, we as a nation, we're, we're quite nice to each other, aren't we? We, we don't kind of uh, give each other too much of a hard time. Um, we, we have learnt from our past that uh, sexism and racism and things like that is just not a healthy values to have in our society. We're to treat each other equally, we're to treat each other fairly, we're to respect each other's opinion. So even when someone, um, even I might say some things today that you may disagree with, I, on the whole I, I, I probably assume that you're going to go, yeah well okay that's that's Warren's point of view, but I might hold a different point of view. But we're not going to come to blows over it, okay? You know, we're going to sort of accept that and respect each other. Now, that is a good thing on the whole. Tolerance is, you know, it's a, it's a healthy thing to have in society. However, there are some downsides to being valuing this sort of tolerant society that we're in. And one of those is that having tolerance is such a high value means that you kind of suppress conversations about well, what is valuable and what is not. Like, is, you know, what's more important than something else? Do, do you see what I mean by that? Like, you can, you know, if, say someone in your workplace is really passionate about climate change, and you go, well, okay, you know, that, that's cool, that, that's your thing, but it's not really my thing, and everyone just sort of... Re- but you still don't have the conversation, well, is this an important thing to actually address as, as a nation, or the economy, or the healthcare, or, and sometimes around elections these sort of things come up, and it's not just about respecting that people have a different opinion, but actually looking at, well, what's actually really important? That's actually a worthwhile conversation to have. So we've got to be careful, we've got to balance that. The other thing that uh, I, in particular, have a bit of an issue with, is the other problem with just being very tolerant and letting people all have their opinion and, and not uh, you know, offending anyone or anything like that, is that it can mean that we change the truth to a value. Now, what, what do I mean by that? Like, what we presented last week is if you make a statement like, God created the world. Now, that is either a true statement or a false statement. It's not just my opinion. But I, I don't know if you've experienced this, but um, when you're in conversation with people, sometimes they go, oh, well, that, that, that's okay for you, that, that's your opinion. But, you, but you're not stating it as a value. Do you see how people have kind of switched it and gone, well, that's something that you value. And you go, well, no, 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 I'm not saying my faith is a value, I'm saying it's true. And I believe it and it's changed my life because it's true. But they're going, well, no, no, that's just your, just something that you value. And, and, and you kind of go, well, no, I'm not talking about whether you play badminton or, or rugby or, you know, what program you like on TV, whether you like Neon or Netflix. We're, ta- we're talking about something that is actually affects the whole world. Uh, it's not necessarily convenient for me. I don't, I don't have faith in God because it's convenient. Actually, many times it's very inconvenient for me to have faith in God. 
But I, it's not about whether it's convenient or not, it's whether it's true. And so we're going through a series at the moment looking at what Jesus revealed to be true to everybody everywhere. Now, there were some things that Jesus said that would apply to people that are followers of him. And that's fair enough. But these truths are looking at, well, what did he say that is maybe a bit inconvenient, actually, to be fair, but they are true for all of humanity everywhere all of the time. And he confronted people in his day with these truths. See, most people think that, oh, Jesus was a very tolerant person and, you know, if we could only be like Jesus and accept everybody as they were, and he was. Jesus was incredibly tolerant. He was much more tolerant than a lot of the other religious leaders of his day. But in accepting people for who they were, he still challenged them with what was true. So we need to be careful that we need to balance those things as well. Yeah, we accept everyone because for who they are, that's fair enough. But truth is still truth, and we still need to grapple with that truth and go, well, where do I stand on that? So the last, last week we looked at the fact that Jesus is God. He actually came and said, I am God. In the flesh, here I am. Now, people sort of reacted to that. Some people thought, that's great, that's fantastic, God's here. Other people went, no, no, that can't be true. Now, that's fine, you've got to decide one or the other, but you can't just go, well, that's your opinion, that's something you value, Uh, I'm I'm just going to sit on the fence. No, 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 you can't. These statements that Jesus made, you can't sort of sit on the fence. You've either got to go, it's true and it affects me and it's for everybody and I have to um, change my life according to it or I'm going to dismiss it. You've got to go one way or the other on these issues. Now, which one are we going to look at today? Well, Jesus presented this fact as a truth. He said, some people will live forever in heaven and other people won't. Now, that's a pretty inconvenient truth to most people in the world. They go, whoa. I, I, I don't really like that. So in conversations that you have with other people, they tend to sort of twist that a bit and go, well, I, I, I kind of don't like that that much. That I think that's a bit of an exclusive statement that Jesus is making there. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather believe that you know, we, we physically die at the end of our lives and then there's just nothing. You know, there's, there's no life after death. Uh, now, that's fine if you believe that, but... You know, that's your opinion. But is it true? That's the question that we're looking at today. Or people might react this way and go, well, yeah, if heaven does exist, and I'm not sure about that, but if it does exist, well, I'm a pretty good person. I've lived a pretty good life. You know, I'm not Adolf Hitler or someone like that. You know, um, I'm not going to go to hell or surely I'm going to go to heaven. Now, again, these opinions may be kind of popular in our culture, but we've got to actually wrestle with them and go, well, what is true here? What, is, what does Jesus say about these things? So let's have a look. John chapter 18, uh, verse 33. Jesus is um, coming up to be crucified. And he is being judged for uh, his life, basically, um, before Pilate. And he's having a conversation, a very interesting conversation with Pilate, who is the Roman governor in Israel at the time. He is the most senior person in the country. He, he can decide whether Jesus lives or dies. And in John 18, verse 33, we read this. Pilate then went back inside the palace 
summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus said, Is that your own idea? Or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate asked, replied, Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king? In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of the truth listens to me. And then Pilate replies, what is truth? And then he walked away, which is really unfortunate, because I'd love to hear how Jesus would have replied to that question that Pilate had. That would have been a very interesting conversation if it kept going and we had a, a record of all of it. But there's just this short snapshot of the conversation that Jesus has with Pilate here. We can see that Jesus is confirming that he is God like in a lot of other places. He's confirming that heaven does exist. His, ki- his kingdom, something that is not of this world, does exist. And that's where he is from, and that's where he's going back to. And Jesus is confirming that he is the king of that kingdom. Now, there's also some interesting discussion here about what is true. And, and what Jesus is saying here is basically... My words are reliable. They are true. You can listen to me. And it would be interesting to see if uh, Pilate had taken the time to listen. This and many other passages where Jesus is teaching about heaven confirm that Jesus is, is very clear that heaven is a real place where God dwells. It is a real physical place. It's not this mythical place that people have made up that we go, well, we don't really like the idea of death and we don't like the idea that we're only going to live 70, 80, 90 years here on earth. So, you know, we'll make up this idea of heaven because that makes us feel better. No, 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 no. No, we get the idea of heaven from Jesus. We get the truth of what heaven is like from Jesus. Why? He's the authority on the subject because he came from there. He created it. Heaven created earth. We didn't create heaven. It created us. Luke 23. Here, a little bit further on down the track, Jesus has now left Pilate. He's been sentenced to death, and he's hung between two criminals. And they have a very interesting conversation. Luke 23, verse 39. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, let's just pause there. This criminal, even though he had done things wrong, he obviously knew who Jesus was. He knew that Jesus claimed to be God. He knew that Jesus claimed that there was a heaven, there was a kingdom, there was a a future kingdom that he could go into. He knew that Jesus had the right to give people access to that kingdom. And so he asked Jesus. He thought, well, 
I'm going to die anyway. It's, it's worth a shot, isn't it? And so he says, and Jesus answered him, Truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise or in this kingdom that I am going to. This encounter not only confirms that Jesus has a kingdom which is worthwhile going to, it also confirms two other really important truths about heaven. Number one, there is life after death. And that would be the, the big difference in the worldview of most Christians and most secular people. We would say there is life after death. We know it because Jesus confirmed it. He is the authority on the subject and he confirmed that there is life after death. And this criminal was obviously going to physically die that day. So it was obviously talking about a kingdom after this guy was going to die. Now, you've got to wonder, I wonder what the other criminal was thinking at this point. The other criminal was thinking, okay, I, I just insulted Jesus, but this, this guy, it kind of went quite well for him. Do I, do I change my mind on <laughs> what I'm going to do? Uh, we have no record of that, so we don't know what he did or not. Therefore, there is life after death. There is a conscious existence. There is this awareness, this criminal was going to see Jesus again later on that day after they had died. So there was a, we don't know a whole lot about what heaven is like, but obviously he would, there's an awareness. We, we may not physically have our, our same physical body, obviously that dies, but we obviously retain our consciousness in heaven. So that's the first thing that Jesus confirms, that there is life after death. The second thing is, Jesus decides who enters heaven and who doesn't. It's his decision. See, there's lots of people thinking that they might go to heaven. They go, well, I'm a, I'm a good enough person, so I'll go to heaven. But Jesus never said that good people go to heaven. Like, surely, uh, that's got you thinking, I'll come back to that point in a minute. You know, surely if Jesus is the one that decides who goes to heaven and who isn't, we've got to listen to his words as to, well, how do you get in and how do you miss out? Like that's got to be one of the most important truths that we've got to know in our lives. So what does he say? Matthew 7, verse 13, Jesus says, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. In other words, lots of people miss out on heaven. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. In verse 21, same chapter, Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only, though, only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? You'd think that would get you into heaven. Then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. One of the defining truths of the Christian faith is that good people do not go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. So it doesn't matter at the end of the day how many good deeds you do in your life. It doesn't give you credit with God to get you into heaven. The only way that we enter into heaven is putting our trust in Jesus Christ. 
He is the one. As, as he says in John 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We have done wrong by God by living our lives our way and doing it our way. And, and that sin is built up before God for everybody, everyone on the planet Earth. And we all have that debt. And the only way that debt can be paid is what Jesus did on the cross for us. So putting our trust in that to forgive us of those sins gives us entry into heaven. It is the only way. Now, people can come up with all sorts of other ideas about heaven, whether it exists, whether it doesn't exist, whether you're good enough to go there, whether there's, you know, Peter at the pearly gates, you know, whether there's, you know, um, harps playing and, you know, angels floating on clouds and all that sort of thing. But let's come back to what Jesus said about heaven. And Jesus said, it's a real place. It's an eternal place where God dwells. It's perfect. And there is life after death. And he wants people to go there. He wants people to take the narrow road. It breaks his heart to see people just going down the wide road. It breaks his heart when he sees people having all the right words and doing all the right religious duties, but they haven't actually given their heart to Christ. They haven't actually repented of their sin, asked for his forgiveness, and entered into his kingdom. There is only one way, and it's only through Jesus. Now, as you look at all of those, we can summarize it in that statement that we looked at right earlier on. Some people will live forever in God's kingdom or in heaven, and some won't. It's an absolute statement, right? It's either true or it's false. And when we present or we're in those conversations with people around us, we need to be clear on that. I remember um, one of the uh, few houses back, we've changed houses a number of times over the years, but a few houses back I was uh, talking over the mailbox with uh, my neighbour and he, he found out that we're very much a church family and he goes, um, in kind of sort of some sense of guilt in his life or whatever, he goes, oh yeah, we go to church. And I went, oh, that's cool, what church do you go to? Oh, Salvation Army down there. And I actually happened to know who was the captain at that Salvation Army at the time. And I went, oh yeah, okay, oh yeah, yeah, I know Bruce, I'll, I'll, I'll ask it about you. Oh, oh, he goes, um, um, oh, we, we, we don't go that often. <laughs> uh, but we're good people. And I went, oh, that's great. It's great that you're a good person. Um, but, uh, but well, you know, the, I was tempted. I should have had the conversation where I go, I look back now and go, I wish I'd kind of pushed that a little bit further, but I kind of just let it be. Um, and you've got to kind of work out whether to, you know, push these conversations or not. But the thing is, I, was, I, I went away and prayed for him because I went, man, he, he thinks that his goodness might get him to heaven and showing up to church at Easter or Christmas or, or whenever. But actually, that's not what counts. What really counts is whether we give our heart to Christ, whether we acknowledge that he is Lord of our lives. Are we willing to have those conversations? And, and don't just sort of let people off the hook and go, well, well that's your opinion. You go, well, actually, it's, it's, it's a pretty inconvenient truth for me as well. But I've chosen to believe it not because... It's convenient in my life or because I want this assurance that I'll get to heaven when we die. But because it's true, Jesus presented it as a fact, as reality. 
And I've chosen to adjust my life to that reality, to that truth. So, we don't get to change these truths. These truths that Jesus presented us, they either we either change according to it, or they change us. That's the way it works. There's that um, old story of a of um, of a boat, like a, a really big ship, like a, a aircraft carrier, cruising through the ocean, and it sees a light ahead of it, and it signals to the light and says move out of the way, you know, like I, I'm an aircraft carrier, look out, I'm, I'm coming through, you're, you're obviously smaller than me, you'll need to move. And the light flashed back, I'm a lighthouse. You know, it's like, okay, you know, <laughs> you know, you can change, you know, opinions can change course, but there are truths that are fixed that we have to change according to it. And this is one of those truths. Jesus regularly encouraged his listeners to prioritise getting into his kingdom and living the life of his kingdom. In Matthew 6, 33, he said this, Seek first the kingdom and all of your life. Make this a priority. Make my kingdom and the values of my kingdom, life in my kingdom, the priority. And then all these other things will be sorted out in your life. Basically, put this as number one. Why? Because it really matters. The truths that Jesus presented aren't kind of like, oh, well, you know, it doesn't really matter which way you go on. This really matters. This is a life and death issue. He presented it this way in Matthew 16 and talking with his disciples. He said this, Then Jesus said to them, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, and there's plenty of people trying to do that, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Life in heaven is so important that it is worth sacrificing anything else in life for. Surely that is just, it, it just rationally makes sense. Like if you knew you were going to live forever, if, if that was an absolute guarantee, but that forever could be in heaven or it could be in hell, would you not want to make sure you live your life in such a way as you get to heaven? Because as long as this life feels... It's nothing compared to eternity. So wouldn't you want to make sure that you do that? And so this is why Jesus teaches us. He says, whatever you do, make sure you get this in your life right. You can, you can have all the different relationships that you might have in your life and friendships and family and all that sort of thing. And you might have different values. But this you need to make is number one. Well, number one is what we looked at last week, which is making him Lord. But this would come as a very close second. Make sure you sort this one out. Are you in God's kingdom? Are you, are you sure that you've made his kingdom the top priority in your life? So have a think about this. I want you to consider this question for a moment. So think about people around your life. Not, not necessarily your immediate family, although it could be your extended family. Or especially people in your workplace, those, those people in your sort of wider circle of friends. 
as you think about their life and you look at what they value, you look at where they put their time and the energy, what is the most important thing in their lives? Do you think you can work that out? by uh, just, just take a moment and think about that for a moment. So think about people around you. You know, what would be their number one priority in their lives? Now, it could be their families. You know, some people go, look, my family is the most important thing in my life. That's, that's fair enough. Or it could be their career. It could be, you know, the wealth that they're generating or the financial security in their lives. Actually, in the devotions this week, we're looking at some of those things, those priorities that people make as uh, kind of their top priority in their life. But can you think of one or two examples of people around you and what values that they would have based on what you observe of how they live their lives? Can you do that? Is it pretty obvious? Okay. Now, that's not so much the hard question. Here's the hard question today. What if it was reversed? What if they looked at your life and my life? What if they looked at us and went, I wonder what their top priority is in their life? Would it be obvious it's the kingdom of God? Would it be obvious that it's Christ? Because that's what Jesus is talking about here. It should be such a priority in our lives. We should be prepared to give up everything else in life to gain him and his kingdom. Why? Because it really, really matters. It's what we were created to do. It's God's purpose for our lives. Now that's not saying that there aren't other good things in our lives, but it's saying that living for Christ is a whole life commitment where our whole worldview, all of our values, everything that we live for is shaped by what Jesus sees to be true, what Jesus values, his kingdom values. We, everything goes through the grid of what he would want us to do. That's what he's meaning here when he says, for, forever, for whoever wants to save their lives will lose it, but whoever loses their life, is willing to surrender this life, gains his life. No point gaining the whole world and yet forfeiting your soul. Make sure, make sure you don't leave here today without knowing where your soul is going when you die. Be really clear on that. Be really, really sure on that. And if you're not sure on that, here's the step that you need to take. You need to come into a relationship with Christ where you say, in effect, where you say, God, I don't want to live for myself anymore. I'm living for you. I'm living your life, not my life. I repent of living my way, and I'm choosing to live your way. I embrace the forgiveness and the life that you've made available through the cross. So that could be a step. If you've never made that step today, then there is no guarantee that you're going into heaven. So make that step. Be really clear on it. Be sure that you're taking the narrow path. Be sure of where you go when you die because you have that relationship with Christ. If you're here today and you've already made that step, 
But you're challenged today because when you look around your life, it may not be obvious to others that, that Christ and his kingdom is the most important value in your life. Or you may not have communicated it that clearly by your actions and by your words. Well, let the Holy Spirit challenge you today to surrender all to him. To be willing to lay it all down afresh and say, God, have all my life. Because the life that you have for me is far more important than all the menial things that I'm going through right now. Now, I know they feel important and they, they seem big to us right at this moment as we're living through it in the present. And God does care about what we're going through. But we've got to get the big picture right. Amen? We've got to make sure that we are living for him and his kingdom and that that is our top priority in life. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To learn more about our church, visit c3chch.org.